Hello, world, and welcome to the inaugural episode of What the Cluck. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I'm your host, Vinay. It's an honor to be here with you. On the show, we'll be talking about current events in the world, chatting with some amazingly talented guests later on, and venting about things that just flat out piss me off. In a way, this is like a public therapy session for all of us without the high copay and state-mandated medication. First up on the lighter side of news, Nicolas Cage, a.k.a. Captain Zebra Douche, was recently married to makeup artist Erica Koike. The two enjoyed a lovely honeymoon, which ended tragically after four long days when Cage filed for an annulment. She's now seeking spousal support from Cage. Cage offered a stunningly loud zebra blazer, but she surprisingly declined. Cage blamed the wedding debacle on drinking to the point of intoxication and that he lacked understanding of what was happening, according to court documents obtained by the blast. This is clearly a man we can all learn from and hope we don't make the same mistakes, said wedding and sorcerer's apprentice included. The theme for the Las Vegas wedding is believed to have been done in 60 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, Notre Dame Cathedral was tragically almost burned to the ground and the entire world watched in real time as it happened. All countries besides France feel for the poorly damaged cathedral, not because of a shared common faith, but because of the early 90s Disney film The Hunchback of Notre Dame. The authorities believe the fire was either caused by a short circuit and or possibly combined with negligence by the renovation crew with cigarette butts. Notre Dame first began construction in 1163 and has survived the French Revolution, World War I, and World War II, but was clearly no match for Johnny Five and a French cigarette-smoking construction crew. 2019, folks. If Notre Dame can't survive, who will? Next up, Avengers Endgame has been released and broke nearly every box office record known to man. It's made a whopping 2.2 billion worldwide, yes, billion with a B, and has surpassed Titanic. Only movie left to beat is Avatar for the worldwide box office record. I believe we now have James Cameron on the line for comment. Mr. Cameron, are you there? Do we, do we have Mr. Cameron on the... We, we don't. It's our first podcast, right? No, we suck. All right, it's our first podcast. Don't worry about it. The 22nd installment in the Marvel Cinema Universe has been featured on the most movie screens ever in the world. This may be due to the fact that people need to see all, if not most, of the 22 films to fully understand the scope and storyline. Which means if you're a man that has a wife or girlfriend who hasn't seen all the movies, it's impossible to get through Endgame without them asking 2,000 questions like our Ant-Man and Spider-Man brothers. Who and what is a Hawkeye, and why does the bad guy look like the Grimace on steroids? Some slight political news. The Mueller report fallout is still occurring, and the White House is stonewalling Congress on every subpoena and document request. A.G. Barr failed to show up to a House Judiciary inquiry and may face contempt charges. The highest law officer in the land may face contempt. We are officially in the midst of a constitutional crisis with limited options in sight to avoid a full constitutional collapse. Hooray! The Teflon Ton was not charged by Robert Mueller, not because no wrongdoing was found, but because of a DOJ rule that no sitting president can be indicted. Apparently in America, some people are indeed are above the law, most notably the president, along with Robert Kraft, who went from a 2018 Super Bowl ring to a 2019 prostitution ring. 
We'll get into more of that later. In sports news, the Vegas Golden Knights lost Game 7 to the San Jose Sharks. The Sharks scored four goals during a five-minute power play. The harsh penalty call drastically altered the outcome of the game and ended the Knights' second season. We're going to go to Chief Golden Knights correspondent Mark Messina now for a reaction. Mark, what do our fans think of the harsh five-minute penalty call? Complete and utter bullshit. Thanks a lot, Mark. You keep us posted on that. We appreciate it. And lastly on my mind, birthday cards. An archaic tradition still practiced and used by our elders, which we are all still forced to tolerate and reciprocate with thank you cards. Now, I understand that my 84-year-old grandma probably still hasn't learned to text or write an email. It's totally understandable. She hasn't even learned to use a turn signal, and those have been around since the 1950s. So where do we draw the line? But okay. I get this beautiful card in the mail for my birthday, and my mother sent me a scathing text to make sure I send back a thank you card. Do any of you know how much of a pain in the ass this actually is to accomplish? I have to get in my car. I have to find a Walmart or Walgreens or some type of wall store that sells cards. I don't even know if they sell cards anymore. They could be like CVS and cigarettes who decided to end their 50-year relationship. So I walk into a Walgreens. I then have to sift through 146 different thank you cards over a 45-minute period. Because naturally, I need to find one that relates the most to my dear old grandmother. Like the one I chose, with a cat wearing a pirate outfit that says, yo ho ho, and thanks me matey. I then turn the card over and see it costs $5.99. $5.99 for a card. A gallon of milk goes for less and you use that for weeks. A card you only read one damn time. Unless you're an 85-year-old who happens to read birthday cards on the reg like stock updates. I buy the damn card, I write a long, heartfelt, sincere thank you, put it in the envelope, and realize I'm missing something. I need a freaking stamp to send this card. Where does one get stamps? Do you go to a grocery store? Do you go to a post office? Do those exist? I get back into my car, find a post office, I walk in and see a massive line that consists of 30 people all over the age of 75. After one hour of waiting in line, I get my stamps. They can't sell you one, you gotta get a sheet of stamps. And I mail the card out. End of the day, I made my dear granny happy. And that's all that really matters. But older people, can we stop sending cards? Can we all just send an email or text? It's the same damn thing. It doesn't cost 10 bucks in gas, six bucks in cards, Three bucks in stamps, two hours of searching and waiting, everybody wins. But then I realized, the reason they all do this, it's their full-time job. It's a full-day affair sending a card. It's their retirement activity. I realized this in full when my grandmother sent me a card a week later that said, Happy Earth Day. Okay, we have a great show for you. We have Las Vegas icons Keith Thompson and Jimmy Denning here from Tenors of Rock. Let's head over to the coop and get into it.
congratulations. <laughs> awesome. So we have Jimmy Denning from Tenors of Rock here. What's up, Jim? Good afternoon, mate. Thanks Hi. for coming, man. And I got Keith Thompson, Las Vegas icon. Thanks for coming out. Nice to be here, Van. It's so good to have you guys, yeah. especially this early. You know, I woke up a half hour ago. I don't so think I've ever seen you then this early. I've never, I've never been up this early. I've never been up this early. Um, but thank you guys for coming out for the inaugural Welcome, episode of What the Cluck. Um, so I just went into that monologue over there. I went into birthday cards because that's like a real a real thing for me. Do you guys still like send slash receive birthday cards? Like, is that a thing that you do? I send them online. You can go to these little uh, services like Hallmark has e-cards and uh, Jackie Lawson has these cute little magical cards. So you don't physically go to a store and get a card? Nah. No. But it does. I think it costs money anyway. It, uh, oh, so even to get it online, you got to do that? Yeah, a little bit of money. Not much. Wow. So why don't you just send a text or an email? It's still the fact that people want to get a card. That's trashy. That's trashy. Yeah. You want to wow. be classy. You want to say, you know, like have that extra thought. Somebody says, oh, man, they thought about me. Oh, Not that's just like, cute. Yeah, have you? Uh, do you do the Facebook thing? Yeah. Facebook birthdays? That's how I remember everybody's birthdays, yeah. the Facebook birthday stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. I wouldn't remember anybody's if it wasn't for that. I, and I agree with that. Even like my own family. Wow. Okay. So uh-huh. that's pretty good. All right. And what about you? Is it, is I, it an English thing or do they do that over there or no? I point blank refuse to send cards Thank to you. anyone for anything. <laughs> I uh, like it. I feel like that's the, the yeah, progression I, of where it's going. It's literally one of the, like, it's like the third or fourth thing you say to a new girlfriend. I mean, fortunately, I've been with my good lady now for very nearly seven years. So, um, but before that, I mean, I would think. I can I can think of a couple of you know important questions you know I I, I, I sleep talk I maybe drink too much uh, I I like football and then the fourth one is and by the way for your birthday I'll buy flowers I'll buy a present but I will not be buying you a card nice how I'm does not, that go over oh, well uh, they were ex girlfriends so, <laughs> so so amazing so uh, yeah I found there a keeper go. in the one that I have right now because she hates cards too okay cool all right so I'm not the only one I feel like it's yeah. like a generational thing. Um, it's, it's like the most important thing to my mom. Like, she doesn't want a gift. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want me spending any money. All she wants is a card. Okay, can I say this? Yeah. You know, I run a nonprofit, right? Yes. And part of the nonprofit is that some of the people who are donors absolutely want a handwritten thank you card. Okay? So, you it's not just a, you can't type it. And I, I, my penmanship is like an axe murderer's, you know? It's like it's... <laughs> me too. Uh, me too. I yeah. have horrible handwriting. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, but that's what they require. They want it. If they if you want them to keep contributing, and I think that's great because it's old school. It's from another uh, uh, another time, really. But I think it's something we probably shouldn't forget about. It is old school. I agree. It's got that personal touch. I mean, again, like if somebody's doing something great for me, like with you guys, I want you to come over. Let's have a glass of scotch. Let's like enjoy. Let's yeah, that's personal. Yeah, great yeah. for scotch. You know. So <laughs> okay. Will. All right, so birthday cards. I'm glad we got that out of the way. I just I needed to know if I was like the only one that's completely fucking mental over this no, subject because for older people you got to have it. For younger people don't give a shit. So it's just okay, cool. All right. So uh me and Keith, we worked on this project called uh Enough is Enough. Yeah, we did. Which uh the shooting happened out here in Vegas 101 when I first got out here and that totally sucked. And uh, I wrote a song. You were so kind enough to to help me arrange it, get everybody together. I didn't know anybody out here. And you dropped everything you did that for me. Recently, we just had a uh, another shooting at a temple mm-hmm. where somebody died. And we also just had another school shooting in Colorado. Um, 
what the fuck is going on with this country? Like you've you've been around a little longer than I have. Not to say that you're you know you're, you're seasoned. <laughs> I've been around a lot you're, longer. You're than seasoned. You. I wouldn't yeah. say you're old. You're seasoned. <laughs> seasoned. Seasoned. Um, have you ever seen it like this? Like, is it is it getting progressively worse? Like, what are your thoughts on this country with 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 guns and everything? I think that they they don't they mark Columbine as like the beginning of of what seems like a rash of these things. That happening. was the beginning of the end. I think it was twenty years ago too. Yeah, but. Did they have them before that? Yeah, I'm sure they did. I mean, we watched movies about Bonnie and Clyde, how they would go and shoot up everybody, you know? Um, I don't know. We glamorize it. I don't know what these hate shootings are, though. These ridiculous, you know, like walking in and shooting a bunch of kids. Yeah. uh, It's sad. And it's the rhetoric, I think, which it comes down from the top. And and it always comes down to, is this a gun control issue? And is it, or is it a mental health issue? Well, when white people shoot white people, it's a mental health issue. Mm-hmm. When you're a terrorist and you shoot people, that's a terrorist issue. I've seen to like notice that. Like, so when whenever like you know some crazy white nationalist does some shit, oh, the guy's clearly fucked up in the head. Mm. But uh, you know, when when you're Arab and you do it in the name of God, it's a terrorist thing. I don't get it. I still think when you look at other countries than us, this is the one country where it's happening repeatedly. Yep. You know, in the UK, I I don't think it happens at all. I think it's, the numbers. It, it, well, do you know, what, funny enough, it did happen. It happened about. I'll be getting the dates wrong. Maybe 20, 25 years ago, we have um, the massacre of Dunblane, which okay. is a small town in Scotland. Very, very middle class, beautiful, um, scenic, all that kind of stuff. And a former caretaker walked in with a, a slew of weapons, which are very, very um, rare in, in Britain, obviously. Right. And uh, yeah, and slaughtered a lot. Like, I think there was maybe 20, 30 kids and some teachers got killed. Wow. So it did, you know, that was a, that was a big deal for us. Because we just don't get the kind of the level of gun crime here, but I kind of agree with what, what Keith was saying. I don't think it's generally about gun control, and I, I stay away from subjects like this because I always find like American politics I'm fascinated by, and I love the conversations, but I, I keep my opinions to myself. I think it's more respectful. I, I, I I'm not, a lot of people do, especially I, in the entertainment business. They my, don't want to say. Do you know what? Gen- genuinely, I'll say anything to anybody at any time. But I, my genuine, uh, my genuine feeling is that it's disrespectful. For me as a visitor, and I'm now a resident here, but I'm still not American. I've not gone through the history. I've not gone through the same things that your folks and grandparents went through. So I always think it's, it's a very sketchy area to have an opinion. I have my own personal opinion, but it will remain my own personal opinion. But as far as we're concerned in the, um, uh, where the massacre was concerned in Scotland, I think it's exactly the same as in America. I think it's a mental health issue. I think it's try and deal with the problems. And also as well, you're gonna get evil. It's quite, pure and simple. You, there are people on the planet that will do bad things. Yeah, and uh, you know, some I, of them are in the White House. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think these, you know, these these kids and stuff that go into the 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 cinema, uh, the, the the Columbine issue, the 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 part, is it Parkland shooting down in down in Florida. Yeah. You know, these were these were all kids that I, I don't know their background. They're bullied. They, kids. they were bullied. I mean, they were bullied. They were told that they can't be artists. They were told if they had purple in their hair that they were weird. And I'm like, that's not the way to deal with it. Like, like you know, um, and I do think, I think the mental issue is a, is a huge thing. Yeah, it, it is, but you can't separate it from the fact that if it was, uh, if they had to pass background checks or if, if guns were not so easy to get, of course. and they are so easy to get. They are easy to get. I, I feel like uh, if you're 25 years old, you're not allowed to rent a, a car till you're 25, but you're able to go in and buy an assault rifle at 18. I think mm-hmm. that's, that's bullshit. Um, and again, I, I, I like, I, I'm a gun owner. I have a gun, you know, I have two. Um, I don't think anybody needs an assault rifle. 
mm-hmm. is, is, is my opinion. I don't think you're going to have a, an army of deer coming at you mm-hmm. that are also armed, in which case you need a, an assault rifle, are my thoughts. Okay, but yeah, okay, so America's a little fucked up. We, you know, we're like, we're on a bit of a bender right now. We're yep. like heavily drinking into the 3 and 4 a.m. into the night. That's we're, where we're at. You're, you're Nicolas Cage. We're Nicolas Cage right you're Nicolas now. Cage. We're yeah. Nicolas Caging it. That's what we're doing. Yep. And um, So we need to find a hot wife. Yeah, we got to find a hot wife, on. divorce her immediately. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, England's kind of like that too, where they're like kind of like, they're kind of like our Britain. drunken older, uh, Britain, they're kind of like our drunken older <laughs> sister too, where they're like, all right, America's <laughs> fucked up. We're going to be fucked up too. So they're going through this whole Brexit thing right now, <laughs> yes. which um, again, it's that whole nationalist feeling of we want our country back. We want it to go back to the way it used to be. We don't want to be a part of the EU. What are, um, what are your thoughts on this, Jim? Well, Brexit happened. Uh... I think about six months before I moved over here to Vegas. And, Smart move. And 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 at the time it was it was really quite funny because anyone over fifty in general wanted to leave. Yes, to leave. It's true. It's and everybody under generational 50. thing. And it, yet again, it was the generational thing. But we've always known. I, even even I remember prior. I'm that I'm that old that I can remember us not being in Europe. But I remember it just being so easy to travel anywhere. So the travel issue, uh, things like that. We've always traded with France and Germany and, and Denmark and all these kind of other places. We've always had a very happy relationship, apart from the Germans, but that's a touchy subject. But <laughs> um, but we've always had that. And uh, I think the problem comes when um, you're caught uh, in, in Britain. Let's say we'll convict someone of a murder or a fraud or something like this. They will then appeal it to the European Union courts. And on a lot of occasions, those uh, have been overturned. And that kind of infuriates oh, a little that. bit because the difference is... We're all different. Everybody's different. Even moving here uh, to another English-speaking country that's very, very similar to our own, we're mm-hmm. all still very different. Mm-hmm. You know, we have different ways of going about things, and that's, I think, what people. That's that's the one thing that's really uh, sticking in people's craw a little bit is that the uh, the Italians, the Spanish, the the, the French, they have uh, certain personality traits. We have certain personality traits. The the Scandinavians have. Just we're all very different, but live very close by. Mm-hmm. So. By all means, be friends, but it's very difficult for a court where you may have a Belgian judge uh, talking about a situation in Britain, which might be very different in Britain than it is to Belgium. So that's kind of my kind of thoughts on it. I love being European. I love the fact that from any airport in Britain, you're literally two to three hours away from any capital city in, mm-hmm. in Europe, which is kind of just amazing. Um but the way that they've gone about it is just so immature and ridiculous. Yeah, again, it's it's kind of like um, us with healthcare, where the Republicans wanted to overthrow Obamacare for eight years, mm-hmm. and then they have Congress, they have the White House, they have the Supreme Court for two years and don't do shit. Yeah, and then the minute they lose the House, then they want to go back to healthcare, mm-hmm. which again they want to get rid of it, but they have no plan for it. So it's kind of like I looked at Brexit kind of the same way where people wanted this Brexit thing. I think Nigel Farage wanted it for a long time. Of course. Like this yeah. party was always like they wanted to be like out of the EU. Yeah. And the minute they get it, they have no idea what to do. Like they have no idea where to go, what to do, how to go about it. So I feel like that should have been one of the first things you do when implementing a plan. You need an exit strategy. Well, in, in fairness, the, the, this, is, this is how moronic the whole situation was. When Brexit was put through... When the country voted, it was very close. It was like 51% to 49%. Yeah, it was, it was close. It was very close. But at the end of the day, in a democracy, the people spoke and 
we voted to leave. And that was that's the end of that. You're always going to get that 49% that are very disgruntled and don't want it to happen. But unfortunately, that's the nature of the beast. Mm-hmm. They're trying to get another referendum now, which would be ridiculous because you lost. Yeah. I mean, whether I agree or whether I don't, I was going, we, we, you lost. So yeah. let's just get on with it. But the problem was uh, that David Cameron was our prime minister at the time mm-hmm. and he fought for it. And it is believed that he fought for it for his own political gains. Um, not it, it, And actually, uh, financial gains was even talked about. Um, basically, when it happened, two or three weeks after, uh, I might be getting the timeline wrong slightly here, but just after the vote came in to leave, uh, he resigned as prime minister, passing it to Theresa May, who is now our current prime minister. She actually didn't want to leave. They're in the same party. Mm. Uh, so she's now the prime minister who voiced her concerns about leaving in the first place, but now has to facilitate it on behalf of the government. So there's a whole, the, the, the whole thing's a mess. And essentially, just like, the, just like your healthcare. Yeah. It's just it's nice it's to know just, that DNL Britain's it's with just, us, man. It's just one side against another with no thought for the people who, who are really, you know, uh, in the middle of it all. And that's essentially what it is. It's the same thing with the gun control. You'll never get the, the kind of gun control legislation that you want, that people really, really want. Because there is two sides to that argument, of course, but there's too much money in it. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what it all comes down to. The healthcare, uh, we, I mean, healthcare, I can't even understand and it, try to explain to people back home what the situation is here. In a country <laughs> this great, for you to break your leg and go to the hospital, and if you haven't got healthcare, you're going to get a big fat bill that you'll never probably be able Take to pay off. Mm-hmm. And like that, as I said to... It's sad. You know, say to friends here, you come to Britain, you fall off the plane, you break your arm, you'll be taken by ambulance to a hospital, treated, operated on, put in a cast, sent on your way with nothing more than a smile. That's it. And I I don't understand how a country that is this powerful and and like I said, is this great and has been very good to me has this It's like you said it before, it's it's money. Unbelievable. It's money. It's Mm -hmm. a pharmaceutical. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, uh, It's insurance. It's all that stuff. I mean, to get a doctor out here, you know, I had some throat issues. Uh, You know, I'd like to see my doctor. They said, yeah, okay, uh, we'll see in two months. I go, no, you're not getting me. Like, I'm, I, I need to see a doctor now. They go, yeah, no, we get it, but we'll see you in two months. I go, okay, so there's there's no way anybody can get sick out here. Otherwise, why mm-hmm. do I even have health insurance? Yeah. Like, why am I paying $290 a month if I can't see my doctor in two months? Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, it's batshit crazy. But it's good to know that, you know, Britain's completely, you know, yeah, fucked yeah. up like us. We're, it's we're awesome. Pretty much it makes the, us feel better. We're pretty much like, the, we're not alone. Yeah, we're pretty much the same nation, just with uh, better bacon. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I That's good. All right. So um, Donald Trump basically is going into not answering any subpoenas. He's uh, basically turning into an autocrat, which is <laughs> who didn't see that coming? <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, but uh, what do we do? Is there is there a way out of this situation? Is is he going to run out the clock and just throw everything in the courts? Is there what are we going to do again? You've been around. We seen Nixon yeah. when he had when he had a subpoena, and the Supreme Court says you have to, mm-hmm. you know, release the tapes. The guy released the tapes. Yeah. Well, he fought it, but he eventually had to. Yeah. And we're gonna go down the same exact road with this guy. I guess so. I mean, I don't know what's gonna happen. I, um, I, you know, there are people in this country, and there's a lot of them who think that he is just the greatest thing since sliced bread. You know, who the just, problem with that is is Fox News. I think so. When you have a when you yeah. have a channel that twenty four seven spins the same narrative no matter what, and they mm-hmm. don't report on anything bad yeah. that he's doing or all the lies that right. he's saying, it's just a constant. You're a great machine. You're a great machine. You're a great machine. 
And that's why that 30 to 40% is always going to think he's yeah, great. They, they think the nation's in great shape right now because we have a great economy, and that's all that matters. And it's like these are people who I thought might have values and like, like maybe respect law and respect the fact that— They used that, to. Yeah. Oh, before he came along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and anytime you try to open the conversation, first thing they say is, yeah, but Hillary— or yeah, but Obama. They always go back there, they man. Do. They just, always got to go back to the boogeyman. Because she's not president. I know. Well, it's fear. It's fear-based. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that's that's their whole thing. That's their whole engine is, yeah. is the fear engine. So it's difficult to have civil discourse whenever you can't get people to engage uh, on a factual level. Yes, that's very true. It's hard because we, we used we used to be able to talk politics out here, Jim. Like people used to be able to have their opinion, you'd have your opinion, <laughs> yeah. and and you'd come together and okay, <laughs> and, that's your opinion, and this is my opinion, and it's cool. And I, I have tons of uh, conservative friends and whatnot. Yeah. But now I think I think I said something online like maybe a, a few weeks ago, and I you know I try not to be very vocal about my political beliefs because again, I know a lot of my fans are older. I know a lot of them are you know mm-hmm. lean conservative, and that's totally cool. But one guy wrote to me and said, I used to think you were cool, but now I think your music's shit because you have an opinion on that. And wow. he just was like, you know, like, fuck you to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right. I'm, I'm, it's sad that we've reached that point where just because I have a differing opinion than you, you're going to be like, my music's shit. What a great loss to the Bronx one. It was audience. a great loss, man. This one guy, man. Yeah. Like, you know, well, sad. Yeah, I have to be careful about that, too, because I have to always understand that People have their own opinions, and so we respect that, just like I want my opinion to be respected. I have to respect the fact that uh, people have different opinions. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, uh, I remember there was a, a singer who came to do a show over at the Smith Center at one point, and she, you know, just started letting them have it with, uh, you know, her thoughts about what's going on right now in, in our government. And a couple of people got up and they said, we don't have to take this. Yeah. And they stood up and they stormed out. Again. It's like, yeah. Really? Time and place, though. Like, okay, so for us all being artists, I get that when you're on stage and you're contracted to do a show, people for that 90 minutes, they want to have a good time. They don't mm-hmm. want to hear about that shit. Yeah. I totally get it. You know, it's it's on my personal Facebook page, which mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with the Bronx Wanderers. It's sure. it's it's my page. Yeah. You know, I should be allowed to have my opinion mm-hmm. on my page. And my friend Dennis Blair, he has his opinions on his page. His opinions yes, are, do. are that page. Hey. And I applaud him for, for, for doing that. And again, it's going to bite you in the ass in some instances. And it's, you know, but again, it's if you're on stage being that guy, I get it to not go there. Mm-hmm. But if you're off stage, and you're having an opinion, you know, people look at, you know, people look at me and go, well, Vin, you're, you're an artist. You're, you're not allowed to. Say what you feel or think. I go, oh, fuck wait, you. Wait, 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 wait. I go, That's no. the whole point about being an artist is we actually do create uh, work. I write my opinions. Yeah. I like write based, how I feel. Based on our thoughts and our feelings. And that's how you change the world, man. You know? Jim's sitting there like, I'm staying way the hell out of this. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not touching this with a 10-foot stick, man. Yeah, it's a, it's a funny one, isn't it? It's yeah, a funny one because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a kind of believer that people buy a ticket to see a show, then give them a show. And like I said, your own personal opinions, if people choose to follow you on like Twitter and Instagram and that kind of thing, and you have your opinions, I think that's totally valid too. What I don't like is I don't like uh, entertainers of any level or stardom or whatever it may be going onto a stage and using that platform to tell their audience, well, you're going to listen to how I feel. Yeah. I'm going to tell you how to feel. And I'm going, I don't care 
what colour your skin is. I don't care, you know, your ethnicity, the, you know, your sexual preference. I don't care who you vote for. I just come and, and enjoy rock out with us. Everything will be cool. And then, you know, like I said, if you choose to follow my Twitter page or my, you know, my Instagram and you disagree, that's fine. We can have an adult conversation about it. Or you can fuck off. Yeah. Simple as that. I mean, it's literally like that. But I just think that we have a responsibility to go on and like I said, the great thing about our business is it's escapism from all the bullshit that's outside. That's out there. That's mm-hmm. the best. The, the, I heard that years and years ago when I was doing a show. And I thought, this is the best thing. And it was just after the 7-7 bombings in London. And uh, that completely destroyed the, the town. And, and, you know, it was a horrible, horrible thing. Mm-hmm. But we go on at night and we were told by the producer of the show, it says, it might be quite quiet tonight. It might be because it was the day after the, the bombings, the tubes are all disrupted, the trains are still off, there's still high high alert in London, which kind of London's like New York, it's always on high alert. Mm-hmm. And uh, the theatre was packed. It was absolutely jam-packed, and it was the most uplifting thing. That's a very, we would say it's a very British spirit, you know, World War Two and all that, jolly old pips and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. But it really was like no one's going to bomb my city and stop me from coming in the following day. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely not going to do that. And I think... You go on, and in the midst of all of the uh, horror and all the, the the terrible things that have happened, people come in, and for two two and a half hours, they get to smile, they get to laugh, they get to cry, and then they can come back out to the bullshit of politics and you know all the other stuff, you know. No, and actually, and the thing is, the whole you mentioned the Golden Knights in the opening section is the the, the Knights were so successful uh, as a as a as a business. I, I do truly believe because the city came together after the shootings and everyone needed something to get behind. And then, of course, the guys went off and, you know, smashed all and sorts of records. It, yeah. yeah, it was fantastic. But, yeah, no, I think that's a very, uh, you know, that's what that's our job, to leave, you, leave your problems at the door, come in and sing with us, and then go back out to your problems. Amen. <laughs> because we can't get rid of the problems, but we can make you forget about them. I should have that on a T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Merchandising now available through What the Cluck. No. Um, yeah. Cool, man. Very well said. Very well said. Um, let's talk about Vegas for a bit, because uh, I know you're from New York with me, right? Yeah. You're from New York. Mm-hmm. You're not from here. We're all implants. <laughs> we all came out here. Like you said, we all got behind a brand new team. We all came together. I loved, I love the community out here. I think it's a really cool community. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it would be. No, me neither. Uh, yeah, I didn't think it would be, and and it is. It really, it really turned my head. Um, I'm seeing a lot more of the corporations though with parking, with resort fees, with uh, with all this stuff. Do you see? Have you seen a dip in in tourism, in in a difference in shows, and a difference in shows leaving? I know since I've been out here, I've seen over 32 shows close. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot yeah. come and go. And it's a it's a, it's a scary environment, especially this is what we do for a living. You know, it's not easy to hang our heads on on this is what we do. So, um, you know, what are your thoughts on this town and how it's progressed, and from when you got here to what it is now? Me, um, one of the most asinine things that I think has happened is the trend toward having to pay for parking, and not just pay a little bit, but pay. 14, 16, 20 bucks. Yeah, it's no little thing. No, it's not. And that has discouraged people from coming. It literally is so stupid. Uh, uh, counterproductive. I mean, like, who can... It definitely makes a difference in the business that we see uh, doing shows because <coughs> you try to convince people to come out and say, I'm not going to go because I'm not going to pay for parking. And so that's what happens if you're working in the big casinos. And if, if you do stuff downtown, it's always been a little bit of parking. I mean, you pay, you know, three, five bucks three, or five something bucks, like yeah. that. That That's reasonable. But having to pay 20 bucks, 
yeah. just to go, you know, just for a couple of hours. So you go into, you know, and there's ways around it, you know, like go join the, the, the rewards program. Yeah. Blah, that blah, kind blah, of blah, thing. Blah, all that stuff. But yeah. again, it, it's, they have seen a dip in tourism out here. Oh, and, big time. And, well, know. there was a big dip in tourism anyway, after, uh, after one October. Yeah. And then uh, the whole year was really bad. And then to compound that and say, and now one of the things that, that made it really fun and attractive to come here, we're going to take that away. Right. Well, come on. It's all corporate greed. I'm sorry, but that's what it is. I agree. There's no way to, there's no two ways to look at that. And I understand it, um, meaning we all want to make a living and everybody wants to make money, right? But uh, there's this point at which um, the, the, the fat cats end up making all the money and we suffer because we're the people on the bottom who are, you know, trying to create the, the products who are trying to lift right. people up. But then again, I think they, I think the fat cats are losing out because all the talk of uh, Caesars entertainment being sold. And I think there was a report out that said the, the value of the business is $23 billion, but they're in $18 billion worth of debt. Debt, that's right. And, <laughs> You know, so if anyone wants Sounds to, like my so, if any, so if anybody wants to come in, you know, it's, hey, it's just a measly five billion dollars and a hell of a lot of debt to take on to try and uh, recoup the losses on. And I think, I think that is, you know, when I first started coming to Vegas in the mid nineties, used to come for all the boxing events, and I remember it being so such a cool thing. I mean, there wasn't even a Bellagio when I first started coming. Mm. The you know the, the those kind of hotels weren't even in existence, but it really was. You could get a buffet for. What, what would now be probably equivalent to about seven, eight dollars. You could get a drink, or oh, I couldn't drink at the time, but you know, I remember my mum and dad saying it's so cheap. You know, you paid money to go and see the shows mm-hmm. and to see the big headliner or, or whatever show you wanted to go and see, and maybe for the boxing or for some sort of special event, and maybe if you went out for dinner. But he said, in general, if you stayed at the Flamingo or you stayed at the at Bally's, wherever it was, you went to the buffet, five, six bucks, you had a couple of drinks at the bar, but now. You know, the buffets are $40. They're nickel and dime for you're, everything. You know, because I, I see a lot of British people come to our shows, obviously. Right. And um, we even co-run our, our football team back home, Rangers. We have the Las Vegas Supporters Club here, and we get a lot of visitors to the club. Oh, that's cool. And they all come in and say, where's cheap to drink? And you'd think that Vegas is, that would be a silly question, but it's actually not. Because there's a lot of working people coming over here. They're spending their good money to get a hotel and a flight to try and invest some money in the town. And they're saying, where can we go to drink? Because even if you think, ah, I'll go to a Walgreens or a CVS and pick up a bottle of Jack Daniels or something like that, it's still $10 more than it is at my Smith's around the corner here in Summerlin. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it's, like I said, I think people are just being ripped off now. And I think that downturn in tourism is absolutely mm. the, the, the reason for all of these corporations struggling financially and the parking. And it's just like every way to get people's money. And everything struggles. The, sh- without the, the, value. the, the shows struggle, the restaurants struggle. Yeah. Everything is struggling because, mm-hmm. again, it's decisions from the top down that are affecting everybody under it, which I totally agree. Um, yeah, see, like... I'm like kind of sad and pathetic where now like that I've been living out here for two and a half years. Mm-hmm. If you drink at the Ari or the Cosmo and you want to drink, it's like $22 for a martini or something like that. Now, keep in mind, you're going to have a girl with you or a guy and it's going to be $45 mm-hmm. for two drinks. So now I've turned into that guy where I carry around a flask <laughs> in my booby jacket and I basically ask for a glass of ice yeah. <laughs> and I take the glass of ice. I'll either go to the bathroom and I'll I, pour in my drink and I that's tell you, what I do. Can I tell you a funny story? Yeah, please. Do you know please. what? The, just after the Bronx Wanderers started at the link, uh, I brought my family to come and see the show. 
and we we kind of did the same thing. That my family sort of left. They'd had a, a long trip. They came and saw the show. They went. So me and Vin had a drink and uh, at the bar, both had flasks on us. <laughs> like, I swear to God. Like 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 seasoned Vegas veterans. And but the funny thing is, funny enough, you mentioned the Cosmo. My 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 sister and her husband came over. And my uh, my girl Yvette took them to the Cosmo for drinks. They wanted a nice drink at the Chandelier Bar. Fantastic, yeah. no problem. So I was doing a show. So as I came back after the show, they they were a little bit worse for wear for drink. And uh, they said, we'll meet you at the Chandelier Bar. And I went in and I fully expected to have to whip out the credit card and, and say, can we get uh, uh, can we get a drink for everybody? Yeah, no worries. So the next thing you know, uh, Yvette stops me. She said, it's okay. And she does the whole, okay. <laughs> so she goes around the corner with my sister. About 10 minutes later, she's not come back. The next thing I know, I get a sheepish text message saying, we've been removed. What? So I go running outside of the Cosmo, trying to defend my girl's honor. And the two of them were outside laughing, but they'd been removed because she'd brought three flasks. <laughs> one was gin, one was vodka, one was Jack Daniels. And I said, why? And she said, well, it's just simple. She said, I wasn't sure what I was going to drink. <laughs> so apparently one of the security guards saw her taking out the three. And this was like, listen, one, I could probably let go, but three, I'm sorry. <laughs> three, you're gonna like, have we got to go. get you out of here. <laughs> We swore we were never going to say that story again. So, oh, that's like that. too funny. So but yeah, Jim, Jim basically <laughs> looked at me and said, "What can I get you?" And I said, "I'm good, man. I bring ice. my own. I bring my Some own." Ice. I don't think I could fit a bottle of Chardonnay in my booby jacket. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get you one of those cool new little pocketbooks where it's like the whole lining of the pocketbook <laughs> is a bottle of wine, man. It's awesome. So I'm like going to carry a yeah. purse. Yeah, well, yeah, it's like right. an Indiana Jones satchel. Oh, okay. It's not a purse, but it's like that. Right. Are we out of time, Scott? We're out of time. All right. Well, I want to thank you guys so much for coming out for my first episode. Um, Pleasure. It's nice to be able to talk about real things with with artists. You know, we're, we're shunned from doing that. We, we can't really do that. I appreciate you going out on a limb, being yourselves, being totally cool. And again, you guys do so much for the community. You're integral parts out here. I'm honored to call you best friends. Make sure you go check out Tenors of Rock if you're ever here. They're at Planet Hollywood. They're killing it over there. Uh, Keith Thompson, I know you're working on a bunch of new shows coming out. You, you did Heartbreak Hotel at Harris. Mm-hmm. You got another show coming out that you're working on. You never stop. He also does Composer Showcase. If you're ever in town, come check that out. Um, thank you guys. And thank you all for being here on our first episode. Keep in mind, this isn't just going to be like a liberals only thing. We're going to have conservatives on. We're going to have everybody Nazis. on. All, we're going to have Nazis. Nazis, Nazis we're have terrorists. All different points of view. We're going to have a lot of cool things. So <laughs> yeah. stay tuned. We'll see you in two weeks. Thanks for being on. Hey.